welcome to the Michigan Murders. I'm Laura. And I'm Stephanie. And I think you're first this week. Okay. This isn't a big one, as there's not much I could honestly find. Um, It's been kind of interesting. The only reason why I couldn't find that much is because he has multiple murders. He's suspected as a serial killer. But we were trying to focus on this one and there's just, it. the whole thing is all over the place and it's kind of like crazy. If we want to go in further into this guy later on, we probably could. It's just going to take a little more research to try to, you know, sort through it all because it's kind of a little nuts. Yeah. Um, But for the one that we had down... They say that Shelley Brooks was a mild-mannered man, but when provoked, he quickly becomes belligerent, and he ended up raping and killing um, prostitutes. Ooh. Yeah. The one that we were focused on was uh, 33-year-old Pamela Greer. She was found in an abandoned building. In uh, St. Paul, on St. Paul, and every single one of the women were uh, bludgeoned with like um, something heavy, whether it be a brick, a rock, something of the sort. Um, But she was found also strangled, and her body was found with one of its legs gone as an animal had gnawed it. Oh no. Yeah. He ended up getting life in prison. This is, sorry, all over the place. The police believe he is to be one of the most prolific serial killers in the city's history. And he's going to be spending life in prison. And they had found him guilty of first-degree murder in the 2002 slaying of Pamela Greer. It, the charge automatically carries a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Her body was obviously beaten and found in an abandoned building, but also strangled. He also faces murder charges in the slayings of six other prostitutes dating back to 2001, including Sandra Davis, whose body was found five months earlier in the exact same building that Greer's found, body was found. Should, should we adjust the wording for that one? And mm-hmm. isn't it like sex workers now is what we're supposed to call them? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I I'm, I promise I'm not trying to insult anybody. I was just going off of all well, the things that I had been reading and I wasn't thinking, yes, absolutely, sex workers. Yeah. That was their um, wording in the articles. Like, that's yeah, my every single yeah. every single article, every single everything that I could find said that and I didn't even think twice for some reason, but yes, I usually say sex workers. Yeah. What year was that? They found Greer in um two thousand and two. But the six other sex workers it dates all the way back to two thousand and one. Oh, and it just okay. continued, yeah. The victims whose bodies were found in abandoned buildings or vacant fields were killed with blunt force trauma. Um, from ob- objects like sl- cement blocks, table legs, bricks. There was a surviving victim, and she testified that she smoked crack with Brooks, who then sexually assaulted her and struck her with a brick. 
so he also faced rape charges and assault charges in her case. Oh, wow. Authorities tried to say that his difficult childhood could have been a motive. I mean, a motive? An excuse? No. Yeah, not a motive. I I know they have to have, like, motive means opportunity, that kind of stuff, but yeah. I mean, mommy issues or anything like that, I I get that they're that it's a quote-unquote motive, but I don't find it to be a sane argument as to why. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I had a rough childhood with a lot of things that I went through, and I'm not out here just yeah. harming drug addicts or anything else of the such that I could have really, but I'm, yeah, like, I digress. Oh, I, you beat your wife. I'm going to murder you now. Like, that would be you. <laughs> oh, you smoke entirely too much pot off with your head. Yeah. No, that's not. <laughs> no. Well, Sierra um, killers aren't exactly sane either, so, you know. <laughs> ex- exactly. Exactly. They, they were so many different articles where they're trying to figure out if he was, you know, just a vagrant, you know, sleeping with sex workers or if he was murdered. There's just so many different. And it's all over the place. Um, the Murderpedia page was like a nightmare trying to go through. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. It's quite interesting. Um, but then they also believe that he may have been responsible for seven other sex workers, not six, that may have dated back to 99. Oh, wow. So they don't. I mean, there's just so many. Like I said, every article has multiple dates. Every article has contradictions. And so it was like, just getting what I got was difficult to get Yeah. on this one, which was like, I going into today's episode a little rough, but I do think I want to delve deeper into these cases later on and possibly start looking into like every single one. I'm just going to need it. A lot more time trying yeah. to sort through the mess <laughs> online. And it's it's so sad, too, because that seems like a group that is most targeted and at yes. the same time, like, most ignored when it comes to looking for the perpetrator of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, and, and the police, I mean, I know how it's been in the past and probably still to this day. A lot of them think, oh... They're on drugs or, oh, they're just wandering the streets, you know, don't worry about it or, you know, it's not a big deal. But it it is a big deal. Like, and a lot of serial killers target them because they think, oh, they're just, you know, doing this, you know, selling their bodies. Nobody actually cares for them. But I've, I've heard of a few cases where family members, like, were like, wait a second. My daughter didn't come home to pick up her son last night. You're going to look into this. And then they ended up finding a serial killer. Yeah. It's so sad, too, because it seems like maybe with that, because everything's, you know, under the table and hidden, that, like, the evidence isn't there to be able to track where they were step by step. You know, they're not <laughs> they're not using a credit card swipe <laughs> to get to get some guy's money. Like everything's right. cash, everything's under the table, trying to get evidence depending on how long, you know, somebody was left there before they were found. 
that just seems to me like that would also be the hardest case to try and solve. Mm-hmm. Like, because unless you're getting the DNA evidence, sure, you might have it to link them. But if there's nobody to tie it to, that would be the hardest. Right. Because a lot of them can just claim, oh, yeah, you want to find me or put me in jail for a couple of days for sleeping with a sex worker. Go for it. Prove that I didn't just do that. Yeah. And it becomes harder. Yeah. It's rough. And what do you have? Well, (laughs) mine this week, uh, it's still true crime, but there is no actual murder (laughs) because sometimes reading about a lot of that stuff in detail really fucks with you. And I told you recently about the one, especially the one guy I went to school with that his baby daughter died in like this horrific terrible way (laughs) I was like that hit me hard to mess with me so I needed to go a different direction for this week Mm -hmm. I needed it to end differently so Mm -hmm. episode 9 there is no murder in this one (laughs) (laughs) on March 13th 2019 Chippewa County police were called to a home on Whitefish Point Road in Paradise in the Upper Peninsula at the time of the call it seemed like it was a domestic situation Upon arrival, officers found that a family had been assaulted by two armed men. The family was zip-tied and their mouths were covered with duct tape and a five-year-old boy, Zephanel Cunningham, had been kidnapped. No, I don't don't know how to pronounce this kid's name. So um, in the sheriff's office post about this, they called him Zeph, so I'm just going to do the same (laughs) and shorten it so I don't butcher it too badly. The Chippewa County Sheriff's Office began to search the area for the suspect vehicle, the suspects, and Zeph. Police were on the lookout for Zeph's father, George Stephen Cunningham, and Cunningham's friend, John Steigler. Cunningham, 54, born August 1st, 1965, had been in prison for a CSC charge, so that's criminal sexual conduct, and was out on parole as of May 20th, 2016. Custody of the five-year-old was given to his aunt and uncle, who Zeph had lived with virtually his entire life, and they were the only family he knew. Cunningham's parole had a lot of conditions, um, including things like, and, and this, is a, this is a pretty long list, so. 1.1, not provide care or live in a home with a child 17 or under. 1.2, responsible adult present if with child 17 or under. 1.3, No romantic relationship with person associated with a child. So, yuck. Already. (laughs) 1.5. Treatment program, sex offender, as approved by agent. 1.6. 1,000 feet from student safety zone, kindergarten through 12th. 1.7. 500 feet from parks, public, pool, playground, arcades. 1.8. Must not have child clothing, toys, or games. Ew. 1.11. Sex offender registration, provide address, data, and ID. 1.12, must not access the internet without agreement. 1.14, must stay away from sex entertainment bars and clubs. 2, must not change residence. 3, must not leave state. 4, not engage in any behavior that constitutes a violation. 8, must not own, possess, or use any object as a weapon. So, first Gross. That was, that was a long list. Mm-hmm. Keep that guy away from children just forever. 
Cunningham somehow convinced his friend, 68-year-old John Stiegler, the worst wingman ever, to help him kidnap Zeph, and they had plans to escape with the child to the Philippines. Why there? Who knows? I looked up extradition treaties, and the Philippines isn't one of them. Um, <laughs> I have no... Uh, that was probably a weird search for my FBI person. Huh? Uh, a lot of my Googles lately have been murders and then extradition treaties. <laughs> <laughs> so, to them, you know, if not a murder, I'm just curious about weird topics. It's podcast related, I promise. <laughs> I'm sure he's currently listening, so you should be good. <laughs> Yeah. Should be. Listening live, maybe. Who knows? Right. Don't step another toe out of line, though, Laura. I know. I mean, I I have looked up how long it takes lie to dissolve a body before. So. <laughs> it's been years. They should be used to this by now. I'm just curious. So, armed with clubs, knives, and wasp spray, Cunningham and Stiegler entered the home. The five family members in the house were tied up at the scene. One of the older children was able to free himself in the middle of the kidnapping and used a knife to cut and stab the suspects in an attempt to save Zeph. So, I mean, good job. He tried, but it makes me sad that he felt like he had to do that for his brother. Yeah. Like, that's going to mess with all of them. Cunningham and Stiegler were able to find Zeph, and as they... Left, they turned north onto Whitefish Point Road, virtually trapping them in a dead end with no way out. A short time later, officers were notified that Cunningham had cut his GPS tether. you think they would have been notified earlier, but... Right. <laughs> okay. Like, at what point did he cut it? Like, before he even left to get there? Because I was pretty sure that was automatic. Like, you cut your tether and it's an instant alert. Because Parad- Paradise is way out there. <laughs> it's in the middle of nowhere, essentially. You'd want that information immediately. Yeah. If somebody cuts their tether, it's never going to be good. Calls went out, and every available deputy sheriff in Chippewa County responded to assist, along with officers from several other agencies. Deputies found the suspect vehicle on Blueberry Lane off Whitefish Point Road. By then it was dark. An officer set up a perimeter around the cabin where the suspect vehicle was found. Officers eventually found footprints and sled tracks leading from the shoreline next to the cabin and out onto the ice of Lake Superior. (laughs) A detective, Mitchell, immediately started to follow the tracks out onto the ice while two Michigan DNR conservation officers retrieved their work snowmobiles. Eventually, Detective Mitchell was picked up by a DNR officer and all three then followed the tracks onto Lake Superior. The ice that time of the year was in poor condition as there was a layer of ice which had a large area of slush and water beneath it and then some harder ice below that. And as a reminder for you that don't know in the Upper Peninsula March is still winter. (laughs) Temperatures in the 30s during the day is warm that time of the year so nighttime in March would be fucking freezing even if the ice is starting to turn to slush during the day. Right. Like, it's cold. It's dark. It's still wintertime. Cunningham and Stiegler were found two miles out on Lake Superior, lying on the ice next to the pull-behind sled. Zeph was found in the pull-behind sled 
with no winter clothing on, wrapped in a sleeping bag. It was cold and windy at the time, and Cunningham and Stiegler were cold and wet, but who gives a fuck about them, honestly? Right. They could rot. (laughs) The picture of what the kid was wearing at the time he disappeared, he was basically in, like, thinner pajamas. He's in his house. Nobody's suspected him to be kidnapped, and they didn't even bother to, like, try and grab any winter gear for this kid before they drug him out. Zeph was taken off the ice by snowmobile and checked by the Whitefish Township Ambulance EMTs. Cunningham and Stiegler were also taken off the ice and arrested, and were also seen by the Whitefish Township Ambulance. According to the Chippewa County Sheriff's Office Facebook page, they said that the three officers were all checked by EMS, and were wet and cold and showed signs of hypothermia. The Whitefish Township School opened their doors to become a warming station for everyone involved. Chippewa County Sheriff Michael Bittner said on the page, There is no doubt if these officers had not risked their lives out on that ice that the five-year-old and both suspects would have died. I would also like to thank the Michigan DNR, Michigan State Police, Whitefish Township Ambulance, Chippewa County Central Dispatch, and the Whitefish Township School for their assistance. The Michigan State Police Crime Lab was also called to help process the crime scene. Prosecutor's office did a great job presenting this case to the jury. I have never been so proud of my office and all of our deputy sheriffs as I was on this day. It was all hands on deck with everyone working together. Thank you to everyone involved. And a jury out of the 50th Circuit Court convicted... George Stephen Cunningham and John Scott Stiegler on multiple felony charges. So, Cunningham was guilty of nine counts total. One count child abuse first degree, one count armed robbery, one count home invasion first degree, five counts unlawful imprisonment, one count kidnapping. Uh, Stiegler was guilty of eight counts, one count armed robbery, one count home invasion first degree, five counts unlawful imprisonment, one count kidnapping. And the next step for this case is their sentencing. So whenever that happens, I'll give another update because it's it's going to be a long time for them. Yeah. Especially Cunningham because he's he was out on parole. And a sex offender. Yeah. So thankfully, no one was hurt. They got the kid back. Everyone was healthy. Nobody died. <laughs> So I think yeah, that's as good. good news as we can get for <laughs> this podcast when it comes to these cases. <laughs> right. I just can't think, like, if the police hadn't tracked them down, taking a kid out on the ice of Lake Superior in the wintertime in the dark, like, what, for what, what? were you expecting to, to happen? You would just all freeze to death out there. What were you going to do? Where were you going to go? They knew they were caught, and that's what they were going to do. Like, let's just hide from police. Out on open open ground. <laughs> you know, it's cold and windy. Like, idiots. Yeah. Ugh. So, do you, do you have any good news for this week? Mm. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't think you so were much. recording when we were talking about the... Um, the beers out on the tables for the soldiers oh yes at my work um and and i know that a lot a lot of other restaurants are doing it as well but um at one of the the high top tables in our bar lounge area 
they placed a flag and um, then four mini like flags and 13 beers set out for the 13 fallen soldiers in memorial. I'm not sure how long it's staying up, but um, we made sure to put covers on the beers yesterday evening so that nothing got into them and we're leaving it up for now. And so that's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Mine's kind of random because I was scrolling through TikTok as you do. And I came across this one that I thought was really cool. And then I looked at his profile and I realized that he had Detroit, Michigan marked as his location. It's like, oh, that's awesome. His name's Matt Copley. Uh, I think his username is Matt is unwell. He's a singer in this band and he does this thing called uh, Punk Goes Broadway. So he'll do some Broadway songs in the punk theme. And it's like the best thing. There's Hamilton, there's Phantom of the Opera, there's Dear Evan Hansen, and they just sound so cool. Punk. <laughs> so, have you heard any uh, Hamilton songs before? Yes, I've watched Hamilton. Yeah. So one of my one of my favorite songs in that is called Burn. So he does. His voice is fantastic. Yeah, and doesn't that sound so cool? It does. It's like a very... There's just something about that song, and it might be why I like it, because it's almost like she's getting revenge on him in that point. Like, they're not getting these. So, fan of the opera. Pop Goes Broadway Part 3. Is also cool. That sounds really cool, punk. Yeah. So I've been obsessed with those. <laughs> I was like, who would have thought Broadway songs sound really good as punk music? Punk, right. It brought me back to my high school days. That was what I rocked out to was a lot of punk. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Same. <laughs> a lot of All-American Rejects and... Blink-182 and mm -hmm. MCR. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yellow card. Oh, yellow card. Yellow card. Yes. Yellow card. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, I mean, I, me I feel okay with that. Because if I think back to, like, oh, what did your parents listen to when they were younger? Like, I don't know. Karen Carpenter and John Denver. Like, I don't know why I listen. My mom was obsessed with John Denver. Yeah. She said that she was, like, in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. Who was I upset? Who was my first crush as a child? Here's a quick little fun trivia bit. Who was my first crush? Mullet era Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, man. 
We, I think we both liked older men because, well, other than Fox Robin Hood, which <laughs> we hear a lot of girls talk about, like he had a crush on. He was smooth. Fox Robin, he was smooth, and he, even though he was, he was cute somehow. I, I don't know why. And uh, Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I remember your Harrison Ford obsession. Yeah, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I loved Harrison mm-hmm. Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Depp. And I'm trying to think of like my main ones. Oh, George Clooney. Massive. I, tear, I carry a torch for that man still to this day. I do not care that he is old enough to probably be my grandfather. I do not care. You know what? Name a place and a time. Like, I don't care. It's almost like he's gotten, like, more charming and attractive as he gets older, which is unfair. But to be honest, I have never found Johnny Depp attractive. Like, never in my Mm. life. (laughs) Mm. Pirates of the Caribbean. No, not even then. I was Orlando Bloom in that movie. Obsessed with Johnny Depp. Like, oh, he's so pretty. Yeah. Jack Sparrow is great. He's been in so many movies that I love. Um, he was in a vampire movie that was really good. He's just... Edward Scissorhands, Johnny Depp was creepy as fuck. Yes. 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 <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory I... creeped me out. You know what? It might be because What's Eating Gilbert Grape and Edward Scissorhands were like the first Johnny Depp movies I ever really watched. Mm-hmm. And I just turned him off to me forever it ruined it yeah um i had this big love for bender and breakfast club but then when he went on to doing cabin by the lake (laughs) that kind of wrecked my world because that is so creepy he always kind of i don't know i didn't even like him in breakfast club like, I could see the bad boy oh, appeal, so kind of, but... <laughs> so, uh, that's, like, I... Why I never I liked his face. I don't know. It's like, does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? I was like, ah, oh, be still my heart. The sass. But I did... You get me. <laughs> I did like young Anthony Michael Hall, though, in Breakfast Club. <laughs> he was adorable. He was so cute. And uh, what else was he in? Sixteen Candles? No. Well, he was in, like, all those movies back then with the Molly Ringwald and him. Yeah. And they had a group that were all, like, in the same movies. Yeah. The Brat Pack. Allie Sheedy. And... Oh, goodness. Those were the days. <laughs> the older brother in Goonies. Oh, it's not, um, uh, what the frig's his name? What did they call him? Brant? Brant. What is his freaking name? What's the, the actor? Well, the actor. I'm trying. Like, what was? Uh, I have to Google this. Josh Brolin. Oh my gosh, that was Josh Brolin. Yes. I thought he was. Why did that then. just click? <laughs> Why did that just did click? Did you not with know me? Josh Brolin was in Goonies? I feel some type of way about this now that I just realized that that was Josh Brolin. <laughs> you just have this, this stricken look on your face. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I feel a little um, 
thrown off by this. I <laughs> don't know why I never put two and two together. <clears throat> I never realized it was Josh Brolin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, goodness. What else do I got to do? Oh, t I have to. I'm going to bake more bread today. <laughs> obsessed fine. with it apparently because i randomly was like you know i i have all this flour and yeast that i bought and have yet to use i should probably use it before it all expires so i made a loaf mm. yesterday and then i was like oh i want to try this rosemary bread one and it you don't have to knead it which is like the best for me but every time i've made bread in the past it just comes out like hard <laughs> I need to, I need to figure out a way how to make like fluffy bread, not rock solid hard bread. I've got to figure out I got to call my work and figure out what's going on. Because they've only got one server scheduled to come in and work the night shift tonight. Oh, can we guess who that one server is? Oh no. Well, let's see her name starts with S <laughs> and ends with Tiffany. <laughs> And even in my group chat, my server group chat today, somebody was like, um, wait a second. Why is Steph the only one scheduled for tonight? They're like, why does this keep happening? I'm like, mm-hmm, that. They're like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm, that. Very much that. <laughs> so I need to find out if I even have to go to work tonight because... Yeah, if you're the only one working, there's no way they can keep right? it open. No. <sighs> Unless they're like, bar only. Sorry, people. We only have this much seating. Well, what they like to do is when we have low servers, because what's been happening is a lot of people have been calling out. And then I don't call out. And then I'm the only person that doesn't call out. Mm. And so then it shows that I'm the only one working. <laughs> Fun. And so what they tend to do is they'll close all of, like, the dining room. Mm-hmm. And then leave to go open so that people can still place orders and do curbside to go and or whatever it's called, like the, the to go. Yeah, they can do all that and then leave it at that. Yeah, because I feel yeah. like all I ever get is just pick up orders. <laughs> and I don't know if that annoys servers because then they're not getting like the full I'm serving you tip or if it's nice that they don't um, then have to. I don't know. I still tip. I, I tip the full amount. Um, and the reason, the, and there's a reason behind it. I never used to. There were some days I wouldn't tip to go or anything like that. And then I realized what to go did when I started my job. Yeah. It's the exact same. Okay. They take, they take all the orders unless you pay, you order from the app. And then they go back there and they're looking at the screen and they keep up with the cooks and they go through the boxes and make sure it's all boxed. They bag it all up for you. They fill your drinks. They they make sure everything's like itemized. Okay, do they have all their sauces? Do they have everything here? They bag it all up. They make sure it's all together. And then they bring it out to you in your car or out to you in the lobby. Here's your to-go. They make sure everything's like, I realized, like, I never knew how much to-go people did until I started working here and started watching them. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, no, you guys do a lot. Yeah. Okay, I want to make sure that I tip to go whenever I get to go. But here's my thing. I I usually tip, my normal is 20%. But if I'm mm -hmm. ordering to go, I, I never get drinks. I 
do mm. my order online, so I never talk mm-hmm. to anyone, and then I just show up. So then it's usually like ten to fifteen. Yeah, like because you're not having to come Which back to fun. yeah, you're not having to come back to Refills my table over and, and over again, and I'm not asking you for other yeah. things, and it's just right. It's only these Refills, things, no napkins. Drinks. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I had a table last night that stayed like an hour past close because the cooks were messing up. Then I was yelling at the cooks. <laughs> Ooh, when I tell you the anger that I had with the cooks last night. Ooh, child. And I usually keep my anger like in check, but I went back and they had a pasta that was back there that still wasn't up. The other food was up. Why wasn't this done? And I was like, hey, cooks, where's that chicken pasta? And they're just literally like ignoring me. They're backs to me acting like I'm not speaking. I was like, hey, where's that pasta? Nothing. Yo, cook at the top of my lungs. And they turn and look at me. I'm like, where is my pasta? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, maybe you should figure it out and it not be, I don't know. Because I got people waiting on their food and it needs to go out now. And they just turned around and ignored me. I was like, oh, it's like that. So I went to a manager and just started like (laughs) this, this, this. And the manager went up there and screamed and got me the food, which then was cold because they didn't even cook it properly. And so I had to go bring it back again. And then I'm yelling. And so like, I'm mad. The, the guests were really nice. They were understanding. I was like, I'm so sorry about all this. You know, we even gave them a discount and I made sure that their food was cooked properly and they got hot food and all this. $2 tip. Wow. And that's why I yell at the cooks. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't understand is a lot of the issues that you have when you're in a restaurant isn't actually the server. 90, 90 to 95% of it is the cooks. And so if things aren't proper, if things aren't, you know, like, right, it's not us. Like we wait. And as soon as the food is ready for us to take, we take it to you. So if it's cold, that means the cooks didn't do it right. Yeah. And um, the cooks get paid well, <laughs> well, and we get paid two eighteen to two thirty five an hour. Yeah. So I had that conversation with a cook one night when he told me, um, I was like, no, I need this now. I was like starting to get irritated. And he's like, you need to chill. And that made me, I'm like, well, see, the thing is, is that you get paid an hourly. You're going to get paid. You you see what I'm saying? Like, you're going to be fine. But when you screw up my stuff, my bills don't get paid. So what I need you to do is get it together and get my food out. Are we clear? Okay, thanks. Yeah. And I have that conversation like your screw ups ruin my finances. So unless you don't want me to choke slam you, get it together. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like it when people don't tip well because like the people serving you make shit for money. Like they rely on the tips to get paid. So I always get annoyed. So we're, we're randomly, we're at Applebee's once. I forget who I was with, one of my friends. And we look over, there's this table next to us that was constantly needing something. And it was over and over again. They left change for this dude on the table. Mm-hmm. And I could tell when he walked over and saw what they left for a, a in air quotes here, tip. Like he, he looked like he was in pain. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I oh, had two God. tables stiff me yesterday. Yeah. I had two tables just non-tips. It's usually younger people who tip really bad or not at all. These were middle-aged um, women. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'd say I'm surprised, but I'm not. I say the majority of them are younger. But yeah, we do have some terrible. Um, the This older guy came in last night with his daughter. He had said that it was his anniversary and he was celebrating, um, but his wife couldn't make it with him, which makes is how he put it. And that made me, I was like, oh, I guess his wife had passed away. So he's like, so I had to settle and bring one of my daughters. And we all had a good laugh. And I said, yeah, I got to celebrate my anniversary too without my husband. But that's just because I'm divorcing. <laughs> and we all had a good laugh. And they're like, that's funny. That's funny. We all had a good laugh. And they ended up tipping like very well. But then you have other people that you're really doing a lot for. Like all my tables were gone. It, nobody was in this restaurant except for this one table. I made sure they had all their sauces. I made sure they had everything they needed. I was cleaning all the tables. They saw me clearing everything, sweeping the floors, scrubbing everything down. Two dollars. And that was like a, I even brought them to the door, held the door open for them. You guys have a great night for two dollars. Yeah. It's like, I love my life. (laughs) People like that, you know, if you're a bad tipper, you almost need to be like, okay, you serve other people. And they're going to tip what you tipped, but you still have to give your best. (laughs) Right. See how you like it. How does that feel? Yeah. (laughs) And it makes me surprised that I haven't come across any serial killers that were servers. (laughs) Right? It makes me surprised. (laughs) You think more servers would be murderers? Um, I could literally see it, but I've not read about one. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should do some digging and find out. <laughs> There's got to be some secret serve, like, service industry people that. <laughs> Something. Just to relieve the stress. But then again, we all listen to crime podcasts and yeah. watch true crime videos. And so we also know. <laughs> Sorry, FBI person. Don't listen to me. You heard nothing. Luckily, the um, the the server that was with that table next to us that left him change was also our server. So I was like, we have to tip him extra because that's terrible. <laughs> right. Like, and he did a good we job. Like I didn't him. understand. Like, he was back there probably ten times, and I feel like I can only ask for maybe one or two things, <laughs> and that's my limit. Like, mm-hmm. oh hey. Um, we didn't get this with this, or can I also get this? And then I feel like that's that's my limit. Like maybe if they we're supposed to check up on people, yeah. If they see I need a refill, I may ask for that. But that's like I, I don't want to. <laughs> right. See, I usually try to refill, or if I'm going and I'm like, hey, is there anything else I can get for you besides the refills? Off, obviously, I see I need to get that. Is there anything else? And I check up with you know my guests constantly, or. I'm not being pushy because, like, we're supposed to check, hey, is there anything else you need? Any more sauces? Any more napkins? Anything I can get for you while you're here? And I try, but yeah, people are just still not always like, okay. <sighs> <laughs> but I digress. I guess I better go find out if I'm working tonight. <laughs> <laughs> be good. Hey, maybe I'll get a night off. Who knows? Hey, who knows? That would be nice. I think I pulled something. I don't know if I pulled it lifting heavy tray but it's hard for me to lift my arm so if i could sleep 
interest, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. And watch out for the crazies. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. The music titled Teller of the Tales was provided by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incomptech.filmmusic.io.